0: Hi, it's Calvin Niles, The Mindful Storyteller, and I am delighted to share with you Stories of Awakening. Each week, I'm going to be talking to people from around the world of various backgrounds and experiences. People I love, I know, and people I admire, but also those who are completely new to me. One thing all my guests will have in common is that they have been through a journey of awakening. By awakening, I mean a call to higher consciousness and deeper self-awareness beyond material reality. These stories will be real, challenging, funny, stimulating, and insightful. We're going to take our good time with these conversations. So listen from your comfy chair with your favorite drink, or on your weekend stroll, your morning routine, or whatever makes you happy. Stories of Awakening with me, Calvin Niles, and I look forward to you tuning in. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode. I'm delighted to have my friend Vicky Johnson here. I've met Vicky five years ago or more at the Museum of Happiness in London. And I know, Vicky, you've had a, a long journey to even dream of conceiving this idea we of course have a mutual friend as well in shamash Aladina. i'm uh, just so delighted as i've seen some of your posts and so much of your amazing work and i was wondering you know what is it that even got vicky into this place what inspired this journey and you know what caused you to have your whole waking up experience so thank you for coming on making the time and yeah where did it all begin for you wherever you feel like starting is good for me
1: um, okay, so where did it all start for me? Um, I think there were some early seeds planted in my childhood that got me really curious about what is happiness? What is peacefulness? Is it something we can cultivate? Or is it something we just kind of have or don't have? Um, so there was a lot of mental health uh, challenges in my family. I saw a lot of my loved ones suffer quite early on, actually, um, with their mental and emotional well being. Um, And then I went on to work in mental health. So I was working with young people. um, A lot of them were in crisis. So a lot of them were in a place of their mental health was so bad that they were like, I don't see how I can continue living with this level of pain and suffering. I was doing my best to support them. And I was finding it quite challenging as well to hold all of this suffering. Um, And again, that same question came up, that voice inside of me is, you know, is happiness and peacefulness something we can learn? How do we better take care of ourselves? Um, and then I met Shamash Aladina, so our mutual friend. Um, he is um yeah, quite a f- famous mindfulness and meditation teacher. And we just had this chance, kind of beautiful. I don't, I mean, I think it was a miracle that we met, not a chance. Um, and he invited me on a mindfulness and meditation retreat that he was running in in uh, Morocco. That was the moment for me, actually. Um, It almost like cracked my heart open and answered quite a lot of the questions that I was holding in my heart. You know, can we make friends with our mind? Can we cultivate a state of peacefulness and relaxation? Is there a level of waking up that we can, that can we go on that journey? Is it something we can actually all take ownership on and kind of take that step towards it? And I realized, I think the answer is yes. So what I found with this kind of week long uh, mindfulness and meditation retreat and Shamash calls it kindfulness. So it's mindfulness and meditation with a whole load of kindness and compassion. And, you know, something shifted in me. I was like, I think this is um, part of my mission and calling in life Um, and Shamash felt the same. So we were sat around and he was like, I was like, there's quite a lot of paths to happiness and peacefulness, but what if you go your whole life and you don't ever meet that teacher or you don't ever read that book or you don't ever go on that retreat or watch that talk there, you know, what if people just go their whole lives with holding this immense suffering? Um, Is there a way out of the suffering? And so we just were kind of, you know, back and forth, back, back and forth. And we said, you know, maybe we should do an event where we explore all the different ways to alleviate suffering. And I was like, that feels quite morbid. Maybe we need to make more of a focus on happiness. (laughs) Um, So we ended up doing a pop-up museum of happiness in Spitzlefields Market in London, and we'd never run an event for more than like 40 people before. And we didn't know if it was just a crazy, weird idea. We were like, okay, museum of happiness. We were like, we'll do a pop-up museum of happiness. We'll have psychologists, scientists, neuroscientists, yoga teachers, mindfulness teachers, um, doctors of self-compassion, um, origami craft, silent disco ball pools. Like there was a real sense of like joy and peace and how mm-hmm. do we cultivate it? Yeah. Um, and it went viral on a facebook got seen by a million people and we had 10,000 people sign up within kind of 2 weeks and we were like oh my goodness this this thing has got an energy of its own it's beyond us yeah um, and we did we had 10,000 people come
0: wow and um,
1: and that is what and people from all walks of life as well um every age every walk of life um and we realize, okay, people do want to explore the science and art of happiness. People do want to explore. And there's a thirst for how do we alleviate ourselves of all this suffering that goes on in our mind mm-hmm. and the world around us? Um, can we cultivate more emotional resilience? Um, so from there, that's how we started the Museum of Happiness. Um, we ended up, um, in the center where, where, where we met, yeah. um, we ended up working with, um, the homeless community and, um, people that actually were really, really suffering had gone through a lot of trauma. And we created this kind of inner sanctuary in a homeless hostel with gratitude trees and AstroTurf and ball pool. And we ran different workshops on mindfulness, meditation, self-compassion gratitude practices ultimately how do we make friends with our mind and difficult emotions and really take care of ourselves and cultivate happiness and peace
0: that's amazing that's that backstory is serendipity at its best isn't it (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so going back to this this period of time where you know you were questioning this you know idea about uh you know, how do we carry this suffering? I, I mean, I'm guessing you probably felt very, I can imagine you probably felt really heavy at the time because of the work, I guess, you were doing. Um, was it primarily driven by that work, the youth work? And, you know, you know, you were trying to essentially intervene with people who were having suicidal experiences, thoughts, and so on. But were you having yourself, like, challenges in addition to that, that caused yeah. you to really go, man, you know, we got to find a way out. of.
1: It. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I think a lot of people that go into this work um, is often driven by their own struggles. It's like, you really know what it's like to struggle and suffer mm-hmm. and then you find some tools and techniques and a way out and then you really want to help everybody do the same. Yeah, absolutely. So um I there's been times in my life where living inside of this mind and this body has felt like living inside a haunted house. And there's no escape, right? When it's it's within you. Um, and I think because both of my parents um, you know, had gone through a lot of trauma, um, I also have um, and there's a sense of, yeah, mental health challenges run in our family. I was yeah. also in um a really emotionally hard role of trying my best to be the lighthouse for others but then what happens when your light starts to go out Mm -hmm. um so yes I think my why of why I do this work and from the beginning was yeah I saw the suffering around me I also knew what it was like to really suffer with my mental health um mindful the things that we share and teach at the museum of happiness and i guess the pillars that it's built upon is mindfulness and meditation it's a gratitude practice it's self-compassion and self-care it's how do we make friends with our mind and our difficult emotions and i use every single one of those tools techniques interventions every single day for myself wow Um, yeah
0: and you discovered that before you kind of realize that, hey, I want to share this. I did something I want to share. You discovered it for yourself. And what? how did that arrive? Was that a moment of serendipity for you, um, how it kind of arrived in your life, or were you already kind of seeking? You know, one of the things I've been learning in this show uh, is that, you know, people would say, well, you know, I, I was... I had a conversation with someone who said when I was 10 years old, somebody asked me this question about God and it, you know, ignited his curiosity. And then he went seeking, seeking, seeking. And one thing led to another snowballed into this quest. And then uh, some other people just like something just comes out of the blue. <laughs> <It's a> bang. <laughs> so were you already actively on a quest? Did you already know? Oh yeah. Well, you know, actually this would help me with my mental health or you know i i'm aware of this um in my family situation which might be helpful for me or did you have to learn that along the way like learn the hard way pretty much thanks for being part of this conversation one of the things i'm learning during this series is that the chapters of each person's story are still being written if you are conscious of a new story wanting to emerge in your life but the clutter of your mind is slowing you down. A simple way to start is by decluttering your physical space. Subscribe and download my free ebook, Simplify Your Life, helping you to declutter and make way for the things that matter. Download your free copy at www.simplifyandmakespace.com.
1: I think it was a little bit bit like learning the hard way. Mm I have got a tattoo of a, of a lotus which is this sense of like the lotus that grow from the mud so lotuses can only grow in like really dark deep yucky mud um, and I think yeah I think I, I learned mindfulness and self-compassion and that was something that was as I say really cracked my heart open and I think almost like that's where the light got in they say don't they the cracks are where the light can get in and I felt really cool to share that and the gratitude practices but then I think it's been a journey of the deeper the suffering of things that have happened over the years I yeah. think it's led me to go deeper into my own spiritual practices and then I think that enhances what we share within the organization so <laughs> um there's actually one story, I think, that kind of acted as a little bit of a catalyst that kind of threw me much deeper into more spending time in Buddhist monasteries and going to India and Vipassana and all of those things. So we um, we had this centre, this Museum of Happiness Centre in Camden. I thought we'd be there for many, many, many years. Um, we had done um, a crowdfunder campaign, so it was kind of commute, co-created by the community um, and unfortunately we were only able to stay there one year. Um, and it was a real shock. It was like such a shock. It was really, really unexpected. Um, and that I, it really, really challenged everything. Um, I was like, oh my goodness, we've got this center. We had people being like, I don't know what I would do if you weren't here we were really starting to see progress with the residents that lived there and we'd built this community hub that almost felt like it just then been taken off us and like the rug had been pulled from with, with under us and i i really didn't take it well um within a week there was kind of like three quite traumatic things that happened all at once within this one week um and I fell into quite a deep depression. I think it was the mixture of the shock, the mm. overwhelm, like the responsibility, the pressure of like, how am I going to break this news to the community? We're supporting so many people. And there was also this deeper question of like, well, who am I if we don't have this museum of happiness? Like it kind of challenged my identity, my purpose, and also my trust and faith. I was like, really? Like, um, and so. I didn't know what to do with myself. I did fall into quite a deep depression. um, And I booked myself on a retreat, a mindful self-compassion retreat. And I was able to kind of access a bit of inner wisdom. And there was this little voice inside of me that was like, trust the process, universe, God, whoever is not trying to just screw you over. you (laughs) You have to just trust the process here. And it might not feel right or fair and you don't have the full picture, but just you have to trust. And you have to be really kind and gentle with yourself because this is hard enough. And it was the first time I ever asked for help. I was really used to being the helper. um, And I had to ask for help. Like I had to get a therapist. I had to ask my friends and family to help. I had to, you know, say to my colleagues, actually, um, do you know how geese um, go in a V and there's a leader at the front? And then when the leader gets tired, they join the back. Yeah. Um, I had to do that I was like okay I need to just surrender to this and let go and it was a real it was a real harsh lesson of letting go and surrendering and attachment I had become so attached to this physical space and everything that it meant and I had to let go of it and it was really hard Um, and I think I went to India, um, I went to live in a place called Auroville for a month just to kind of um, help that kind of letting go process and work on healing and um, the, the shock and everything like that. Mm. Um, so I went to an um, an eco village, it's more like an eco city now. It was founded about 50, I'd say maybe 54, 55 years ago, by two people, Uh, Sri Aurobindo and a lady called the mother and they had this vision of having a place which was built around human unity and it's one of the one of the places in the world where there is a temple there but it's not connected to religion and they say go and worship the divinity that's within you Um, go and help cultivate more peace inside of yourself and raise your levels of consciousness to a higher level of consciousness because that's what the world needs Mm. um so I got myself in that temple every day for a month and I felt completely different I was like okay we let go we trust and can I just take the learnings of this and move on um so I think that was another kind of quite key moment I think in my life and i spent quite a lot of time in Buddhist monasteries um which has been something that I think has really help support this kind of yeah kind of whether you want to call it purification process or inner cultivation
0: Mm. yeah yeah thank you for sharing that yeah wow i can only imagine how intense that would have been for you um especially given you know you essentially leaving a work that was already super intense (laughs) and then saying, right, you know what, now is all about this early intervention and cultivating happiness before people feel, you know, like they want to end their lives and things like this. And then boom, you're hit with this really shocking loss and a series of traumas. Did you already know about all of this kind of, you know, Buddhist retreats and you know the Oroville and all of these kinds of places already you already had that in your consciousness in your vernacular uh or or did you kind of have to grow into this space what fueled that and the reason I'm asking is because I'm thinking about you know just like any anyone really would just not know certain words or certain practices unless they were born and raised in it yeah so you, you ended up so gravitating towards the space which has served you really well. How did that arise in, in your life? How did that kind of spark?
1: Um, so, yeah, I, yeah, more kind of wasn't born into this and definitely kind of was more guided into this space. So um, meeting Shamash actually was a real kind of heart opening process into this world of spirituality. I feel like he really helped kind of I didn't even know any of this stuff was going on. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, okay. All this
1: stuff in London, there's all these communities, all this kind of, you know, these spiritual communities and I had no idea. Um there was a community that he introduced me to called Service Space, which is all about inner transformation. It's a 100% volunteer led organization. Um And they run something called Awaken Circles. Um, So bringing together the kinship and the awaken. Um, And they are actually, they have been a huge part of kind of my journey of like, I wouldn't have ever heard about Auroville if it wasn't for them or Vipassana or the, you know, some of the words that I'm using about kind of cultivation. So they, they were a huge part, actually, all of their events are as a gift doesn't cost any money it's a really beautiful uh, community it's quite
0: pure isn't it there's a purity about it
1: there I don't know if I know of another organization like them to be honest Um, they have really inspired my own personal journey and and the museum of happiness
0: wow you know you mentioned um I asked you that question because I, I was sort of reflecting myself thinking about you know We've had uh, Bill O'Brien on here, who was a Jesuit priest. He was born into the Jesuits order, actually. So he was deeply schooled in Catholicism, of course, from the Jesuit uh, school. And um, he would, of course, had that language. And he actually had to go the opposite way, which was to break out. (laughs) yeah, (laughs) To break out of these things that he felt were confining or constraining his true spiritual growth, or at least the next stage of it. I don't want to say true, um, but for him, it became limiting. And then I think about myself, um, things that helped me. Uh, so, of course, I'm, I'm from a Christian background. And uh, when I say Christian background, I didn't go to church every Sunday. But I'm just thinking about some of the experiences that seem to arrive in my life were quite curious Um, And I don't even remember how I found my first retreat. Um, I do. I also practice Vipassana and I don't even remember what made me pick that. I, I didn't know anybody who did it. Oh, yes, this was serendipity. I just remembered now. I was I ran a startup. And I was reading an article written by a founder of another startup, a very successful big thinking person in Spain. And he was talking about how meditation helped him with his startup or something. And the thing hit me so deep in my heart, the way he told that story, I just went, I'm doing that. Nothing, I've never seen anything online (laughs) that's done that to me, not a product. Not, you know, not an experience. Um, and that really was helpful for me to. It was like being, you, you talked about being guided, didn't you, earlier? And I kind of recognized that. So, this guidance that shows up, mm-hmm. do you, how do you know what's guiding you? And do you remember when you first were conscious of this guidance being there, you know, where you were consciously? tuning into there is a, something guiding me other than my own sort of logical mind. Yeah. Do you remember where you were what you were doing who you were with when it kind of hit you?
1: I I think it came up most strongly where it was kind of undeniable where I couldn't really question it or challenge it anymore was when all the stuff was happening with the Camden space. Um there was I felt like I was surrounded by chaos, and so much suffering, and just weird things would happen. Um, Like weird synchronicities that would just remind me that everything's going to be okay. It was like, Everywhere I went, there seemed to be some kind of message or reminder or some kind of synchronicity to the point where it would even show up in dreams with books just falling off the bookshelf or like people leaving gifts in the Museum of Happiness. There was just this pack of cards, which was I think it was Gabby Bernstein. The universe has got your back. I have no idea who left it. <laughs> me. I just went in one day and, I, and there was just this and there was just all this stuff. And. Every time I meditated, so I think I think that inner guidance and something higher, it's there. But I think when there's so much chaos in our own mind and we don't have the stillness, we we can't access it because there's too much interference and busyness. Mm-hmm. So I think the more I was out in nature, the more I could feel more connected um The more I went deeper into meditation, I feel like the interference dissolved a bit more. And there was more of a kind of um felt more of like an undeniable, like, okay, this is this is coming from from something higher. It's not just me, my little brain, this. But what I've realized as well is when things get really, really, really tough. Um I often find that. The kind of the guidance also turns up the volume too, which I'm really grateful for. And I, Thich Nhat Han talks a lot about, so the Zen master Thich Han talks a lot around kind of like, there's nothing to fear when you have a path. It doesn't have to be my path or the Buddhist path, or, you know, just kind of a path in some kind of faith or guidance. It can be nature, the universe, God, whatever it is for you. But just knowing that there is something greater than us and kind of being able to trust the process of whatever is happening, that there is some kind of meaning and purpose, even if we don't know and we're really in the mud at the time and we can't see how there's ever going to be any lotuses, you know?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's super powerful about the path that you just mentioned because, you know, it was us... Sometimes I go into the reflective spaces of these conversations. So, like, yeah, yeah, just bear with me for half an hour while I'm doing be- <laughs> so my gather myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but, yeah, so how is that showing up for you now? Like, how does Vicki Johnson now navigate this space? And, and were there any sort of bigger experiences? Because I'm seeing that, you know, you have come through uh, a very sp- specific you've got a very insightful actually through your experience through your parents and your family and then yourself a really clear understanding of this um, importance of mental health um and also some good insights as to the challenges that arise around that when you're not necessarily mentally well and then you've taken that through to serving and you try to find this way. The seeking has come about. And you try to serve here, serve there. But you were still feeling the challenges yourself. Mm-hmm. And you were guided to this experience, which challenged you. Probably one of the biggest challenges, I'm guessing. Is that fair to say one of the biggest challenges you've ever faced? Have you crushed and burned worse than that?
1: That was probably the biggest because there was yeah there was a couple there was a couple of quite like big things that happened that week as well just just things like um something with family and then me and my partner that I was with at the time decided to break up so there was kind of like big family kind of crisis <laughs> um the museum crisis and then you know me and my partner deciding to because we were in long distance relationship it was just too tough so it was kind of three yeah. big things so and then I guess there was probably, there was probably another thing as well, um, that I don't tend to really talk about too much in things like this, but I feel like it's important to share. So I think everybody goes through trauma, um, in their lives. Um, I've become really, really interested in unresolved trauma and how it all works. And I think, um, There was a point in my life where, so childhood trauma, for example, um, the mind, the subconscious mind's really clever. So it won't ever really show you anything that's too traumatic. It will kind of just put it to one side. And then the way trauma works is it kind of, when it feels like you're in a really well-resourced place and you can hold it, it will start to kind of unravel and show you a little bit more, a little bit more. It won't ever show you, um, it won't ever share with you things that are likely to re-traumatize you like there's so much wisdom in the body so um yeah i think my whole life actually has been very much being around like working through unresolved childhood trauma so my father for example um because he had gone through a lot of trauma in his life um he then grew up to be you know a traumatized adult um, he turned to alcohol um, as a way to kind of self-medicate, which is what a lot of people do because it's so readily available. And um, I think back in that day and age as well, it's kind of like I think it's only now that people feel a bit more comfortable with things like therapy and counselling, which was quite unspoken about and unheard of then. So it was quite especially
0: lot- for men, right? Especially for men, it's especially different. like men couldn't men couldn't be seen to be even talking about feelings.
1: Really, really tough.
0: Yeah.
1: Really, really, really tough for men. Mm. Um and so yeah, there was quite a lot of, and and he passed away when I was about 13. So there was quite a lot of like unresolved childhood trauma that was kind of I was working through. And um I actually, there's been a couple of times in my life where it, it has pulled me into um, yeah, a period of depression. Um and with that, it's been really interesting actually for me personally to go to these quite dark spaces um, inside of myself of like, you know, I mentioned before, you know, sometimes there's been times where living inside this mind and body has really felt like living inside a haunted house and there's just no escape. And you think, well, how how am I ever gonna come through the other side of this? Um, And then I guess the tools, the techniques, spending time in monasteries um, has helped me transform what felt like a haunted house into kind of an inner sanctuary, a retreat center that I can always come home to inside of myself. But there was one specific moment where I, you know, I had been in a place of um, depression for for quite a while and nothing was seeming to work at the time. I mean, it was working, (laughs) Uh, but at the time I was just like, I've done everything. Like, I like, is this just it now? Um, and I, I kind of joke now and say, you know, the despair is what led me to prayer. So I wasn't praying. Um, you know, this was a few years ago. Um, I hadn't prayed since I was a child. We went to a church of England school. And then I kind of, as I grew up, I started having all these questions of like, and I kind of then just didn't have any spiritual path for a long time um but it was this this specific moment of like I was like I have tried everything um and then I remember I was in Nepal and I was waiting for a, uh, my flight and I was going to India and I got chatting to a guy and he said to me, um, we just ended up in conversation. He was like, you know, very well to do, well dressed. He was having a video call with his family and really, really nice guy. And he said, you know, I used to be uh, addicted to, to, to crack and I was homeless and I was an addict. And I was like, what? I was like, I'd oh, never in a million years think that or know that. And I said, wow, what an incredible journey. Like, what happened? How did you go from that to this? And he yeah. said, I got down on my hands and knees and I prayed. And the next day, I never touched, I never touched crack again.
0: Whoa. What, and I was, really? That's what you call divine intervention, isn't it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I there was part of me you know it really stuck with me and I fully believed him yeah. but there was a part of me that was like
0: really you know, I, I really
1: <laughs> yeah um and I remember I remember it like it was yesterday I remember being in my bedroom and just being like I have tried everything I cannot kind of get out of this dark place that I'm in and then I just was like that man, like he was addicted to crack cocaine and living on the streets, and you know he prayed, and then you know, and I, so I literally got down on my hands and knees, and it reminds me a little bit of the scene of when Julia Roberts and Eat Pray Love was like, "Hey God, we haven't really spoken a long time, but kind of need your help right now." Um, that's what I did. I got down on my hands and knees, and I was like, "God, universe, like whoever." Like, I'm sorry that I haven't connected with a long time. And I'm sorry that I don't really know where my belief systems are at. I really need your help. I need your help. I can't do this. Um, and the next day, I kid you not, and I've never, I, I'm quite selective where I share this because, you know, I know what it's like to be that cynical person. It's like, really? But it feels important. Um, my light had been switched back on. Wow it had and I can't explain it and every day since then um yeah like I pray every day sometimes three times a day
0: wow you're just giving me goosebumps man I've been getting goosebumps really easy these days as well <laughs> the more conversations like this I have I'm getting, getting goose every five minutes on this show somebody's hearing me say oh but wow, I'm getting goosebumps I'm gonna start rolling their eyes in a minute um wow that's thank you for sharing that um thank you for uh thank you for yeah for honoring me by and and listeners by sharing something you wouldn't wouldn't normally share um yeah so this kind of divine intervention that sounds like a really huge moment huge. for me it
1: was huge
0: yeah it even sounds like after that and i and i i hasten to say that I know challenges will keep coming. We all, if we're we're alive and we're not enlightened, then we're going to get them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I guess I'm, I'm feeling like a new level of resilience here in this light bulb moment that you had, this light that got switched on. I'm feeling like this surety was installed somehow. In your operating system, yeah, is that how it felt, or was it I was it somewhere couldn't else?
1: Explain it, but I knew, mm. um, and it, I was—I remember it was like maybe two days before my thirtieth birthday. My friends and family, you know, it—I was used to being like—I used to say like, "Oh my God, I've gone from being like Tigger to Eeyore. Nothing wrong with Eeyore. Eeyore love Eeyore." But there was this sense of like I think it was quite hard for my family to see me go from being this quite like bubbly, energetic, smiley, happy person to well, what depression does to you. Um, and literally, it was a two two days before my birthday. My third wasn't my thirty first. I can't remember. Maybe thirty first. Um, and it was like my light had been switched back on, and I my, the glow came back in my skin. Um, and I just felt like me again, and people noticed. People were like, "You're you what? again."
0: Yeah, what happened?
1: What happened? And I felt like I couldn't tell people to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's only really now, uh, but it's interesting that there's a resistance. I wonder. I wonder what that resistance is. Is it because we fear that we judged, or it sounds unrealistic? Um, I'm going to share it more like you've inspired me to share that story and journey. I don't think I've ever I think I've shared it with a handful of people actually, people that I really privately,
0: trust privately. Yeah.
1: Privately. I, yeah.
0: No, yeah. really appreciate you sharing and uh when I get those chills I know it's a powerful moment for for the speaker as well because I, I kind of sort of feel it in the connection. Um but yeah, these stories just emerge whenever whenever the time is right, isn't it? You can't really you can't really kind of say, right? Yeah, right. I'm going to tell. this so June the twenty third. I'm going to twenty twenty three. I'm going good, to tell good. that story. I never told. Uh, wow, I don't even know if we can top that. This is like a big moment. So where has this all led you
1: mm-hmm. now?
0: Um, of course, the Museum of Happiness had already started by then, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So you're already having these challenges. You're already having the organisational sort of situations going on. You're serving people. You're going through your own turmoil. You're going through your own growth. You had this massive moment. and What did that bring you to? What was the new trajectory? Because that that sounds like a completely new trajectory in 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 your yeah. sort of path. How, how is that now showing up for you? Is it still the is it the gift that keeps on giving?
1: Yes, a hundred percent. Like prayer is a really integrated core key part of my life now. Um, it led me to India, actually. Um, I went to the Himalayas um, and did vipassana um, in the in the Himalayas. I what just a good picked- place to do it! <laughs> I just picked at random. So there's yeah. hundreds of retreat centres, um, and I just picked at random. Um, and I got accepted onto the one in dharamshala which is where the Dalai Lama lives. And I didn't know that. I had no idea whereabouts in um, India, the Dalai Lama lived. And I just was like, I'm just gonna just choose one and see what happens. And Shamash was like, that's where the Dalai Lama lives. You know that, right? And I was like, no. And he was like, yeah, you'll be able to see where, the, you'll be able to see the Dalai Lama temple from the Vipassana center. And I was like, it's crazy. Um, and he was like, will he be there when you're in um, India? And so I was like, oh, I don't know. It looked like I was going to miss him. Um, anyway, um, it ended up that the day I came out of the Vipassana, I got in a taxi and went straight to see the Dalai Lama teach. Um, wow. It was like one of those kind of peak experiences in life of where I was like, is this actually just a dream that I'm going to wake up from? <laughs> Um, So to go through Vipassana in the Himalayas to get out on that day and then go and be in the Dalai Lama's presence was just, you know, it was just, my words can't describe it. I just felt so immensely grateful. Um, And then it also led me to go and spend time um, in California with a lady called Sister Lucy. Um, Sister Lucy was a nun. Um, She trained with Mother Teresa um, and then one evening a lady came to her to the nunnery and was like I'm really worried, Um, I'm going through domestic violence, Um, I'm really worried to go home, please can I stay here till I figure something else out and it was just the nunnery policy that only nuns can stay in the nunnery. So Sister Lucy had to um, say I'm really sorry you can't stay here and that night unfortunately she did get murdered um yeah really really awful um so sister lucy felt like incredibly responsible for that even though of course it's not her fault and she was like okay i can't be in a system um where um we're not able to uh, let anybody through the door that needs to be here mm. so she went on to start her own centers she's got gosh she must have about 60 centers in um in india now um, and they're called May here, which means mother's love. And her policy is we don't turn anybody away. So she just has like hundreds of people coming from all over. She looks after orphans, uh, women, men, everybody. Um, and so I had the joy and honor of spending some time with her in California. I hope to go and volunteer with her in India this time. And. Um, so I think, yeah, there was a, there was a couple of kind of quite peak experiences, I guess, that again, those moments that kind of crack your heart open. Yeah. And I think even being in the company of these people does something to your energy field. Mm-hmm. It's like, they say energy is contagious. Um, being in Sister Lucy's present, I felt like her, I just kind of, could pee back off, off the back of her kind of peacefulness and love and same yeah. with the Dalai Lama.
0: Yeah, you took a little bit of the energy and sort of folded it into your own your own body. Yeah, that's amazing. And I can see how I mean that would make me feel a similar way to her, you know, when sometimes I can think Thich Nhat Han says something similar with you know the bomb sort of dropping in Vietnam War. And he's thinking we can't just sit in here and meditate. You know, we have to meditate, yes. But we can't just sit here and meditate while the bombs are dropping outside. We've got to go help. And I imagine the experience was very similar for Sister Lucy, who thought, how can we not be a place of refuge and say that we are <laughs> We are offering refuge? That's incredibly powerful. And this is how you spend your time now.
1: So it's been interesting. I guess one of the lotuses from the mud of the pandemic Um was everything went online. So we were very much in-person training and events, um, community organization, and then everything went online. Um, And now we're more kind of, we do some in-person stuff and a lot is still online. Um, And it just, I actually had a point in, I think it was March, just gone, where I was like, how happy does it make me working from home on my own? Just being um online with people all the time? Like it's easeful, you know, I can do it in comfy clothes from my sofa, but is it really serving my highest good? Um, I really want to just kind of be more on the ground and like what really opens up my heart how do I be of service actually like use my hands in a time where most people are still doing online stuff and there's still a little bit of like there isn't the same need for for well not need but you know what I mean it's, yeah. it's not quite gone back to full in-person stuff yet yeah so the, was-
0: le- the legacy of that that period of time still uh uh, it's still rippling out right now isn't it yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: and so I was like how do you use this um to really work on your own inner transformation and what lights you up and what we say we we've got um happiness facilitator training so I train other people to do what I do Um, and so we've got about 500 people now all over the world doing what I do in their local community, um, which is, you know, I'm so grateful for, um, and I, I talk a lot about, you know, those people end up being the lighthouses for their friends, family and community, but it's really important that we're, we're doing things to keep our, our soul alive. And, you know, I can't inspire anyone if I don't feel inspired or if I'm not feeling happy and peaceful, it's. It's you know it's not the right space necessarily to be able to um you can't pour from an empty cup basically yeah, <laughs> is yeah. one of my favorite saying
0: yeah um, no, I so yeah
1: I just yeah, I did a bit of soul searching back in kind of um, I went to the Buddhist center on New Year's Eve and it was like twenty four hours of you can be there and meditate and I thought, you know, I might go for one hour, two hours and I ended up being there for the twenty four hours. Um, and it came up really clearly, okay, how are you gonna really, really nurture your inner light, really take care of yourself, be inspired this year? Like you can sit at home on your laptop from the sofa and teach online for a year. And, you know, you, you love that, but is there more you could be doing? And I was like, what really fills me off? I was like, volunteering. And um, so I went to Mexico and volunteered in animal rescue center and, um, I've, you know, hopefully going to go and volunteer in the Gandhi Ashram and with sister Lucy in India and this school in Oroville. And I was like, actually do that. So that's what my year is hopefully going to look like. And I'm so grateful that I can still run the museum of happiness, um, and, yeah, we've got a few in-person events and then online as well. So feels like a really nice middle path, a nice kind of um, combination of like what really serves me, so I can keep on serving with a full yeah. heart.
0: Yeah, divinely orchestrated, as they say. <laughs> wow, Vicky, you are—I knew that you were going to have an incredibly powerful story um so much richness and depth about you and your work and just a joy to listen to a joy to be around thank you for for sharing some of your path and your journey with us um we're definitely gonna be watching I certainly will and I'm sure some of the listeners will do too I I always get a message from somewhere in the world about the guests that come on this show who just are show up and just show their authentic selves and uh, I'm delighted that you were able to create the time, so I just want to say thank you. Really appreciate you, your work, your time. Um, maybe we'll connect for. We're coming to the end of actually a season now. Twenty twenty two is closing, and we're going. I'm going to take a break, <laughs> and then do it.
1: Do it. We'll, we'll,
0: we'll come back with season two, and maybe I might even see what happened to the guests from season one in season two. I don't know. My I might. I, come up with something wacky like that but i just want to thank you and um hopefully we can stay in touch
1: oh thank you so much for holding this space so beautifully and for inviting me here i had no idea what i was going to share and thank you for helping me feel so at ease in this space that i was able to share some of the things that i've never shared before and um yeah just thank you for the opportunity
0: that's yeah, a pleasure Thank you for tuning into this conversation with me on the Stories of Awakening podcast. It was an absolute delight to have you here. And this is just a reminder to head over to simplifyandmakespace.com to collect your free decluttering workbook to simplify your life and make way for the things that matter.